All right, so open your Bibles, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11 this morning as we continue our series on heroes. Uh, We talked about last week how that uh, every one of us, there's this desire in our hearts to be a hero to someone, to swoop in and save the day. You know, it'd, it'd be nice if our if our children would look up to us as their heroes, or maybe our spouse, um, you know, someone in the family, just it, it'd be great. And that's kind of a desire ours. And we can be the spiritual hero, the spiritual hero. And last week we talked about intimacy with God, and how that that connection with God allows us to be a hero, which God can flow through and touch people's lives. But today we're going to talk about distractions okay all of us have distractions how many have distractions in their life i mean it, it's a crazy and distractions i mean when you think about what's available to us today to distract us is amazing i mean we're going to see how satan tried to distract moses but i mean he had small distractions i mean he didn't have tv I mean, here, not only do we have TV, but at our fingertips, we have all the knowledge of the world. All the past, present, and what they think is the future, but they're wrong, all right? Right here at our fingertips. And you talk about distractions. I mean, you take this everywhere you go. How many have your phones with you right now? In church! Okay, I got mine. <laughs> Amen? And so we're, we're, we have all kinds of, I mean... We get our email, we get Facebook, we get text while we're driving, right? We talked about that. I mean, the the distractions are crazy today compared to Moses' day. And honestly, distractions can destroy. It can destroy us. Distractions can destroy our marriage. I mean, husbands at night, right? When the wife goes to bed... I mean, stay up. I mean, isn't that the generation you, you're gaming? When the wife goes to bed, I had, I had a uh, family come to me a couple of years ago, and, and she was really... Distractions. What can I say? Huh? Who is it? It's Timothy. Back in the back back there, distracting me. <laughs> Wicked kid, isn't he? Okay, so... So we, <laughs> what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Distracted. So uh, I need to turn that volume down. He'll probably do it again. But I uh, had this couple come to me really struggling in their marriage. And she was upset because gaming was number one in his life. She thought. Now, he did. Well, every night he'd, get, he'd stay up when she went to bed. And, you know, he thought, man, this is, I mean, right? I mean, he's, he's having a blast. How many here game? Praise one? Okay. Just just three of you? Praise God. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now it's come now one by one. Everybody's raising their hand. So what happened was she was going to bed, but he was staying up, so he wasn't going to bed with her, and there were some major problems there because she wanted to be held at night. So I just simply, you know, it was a real simple solution. Go to bed with her. Get up in a half an hour when she's out. When she snores, get up and play all night long if you want. Simple solution. It worked. Amen? But she felt that. It can be opposite, too. So 
We need to understand that distractions can destroy uh, families. It can destroy families. Distraction. I mean, I, I, don't, I can't tell you how many kids have come to me after they've grown up and, and they just didn't feel that their father loved them. And they're still craving that love after many years of growing up because he was distracted with life and really never was there to even hug or say or communicate what her way of communicating that he loved her. I mean, there's, there's so many ways. I mean, we can lose our jobs with distraction. We can, we can lose an education because we're distracted with our friends and we don't study. I mean, there's a lot of ways. that, di- But distractions can destroy. And I want to talk about priorities, all right? I want to talk about some priorities. You're probably wondering what I'm doing up here. These are, these are, I'm going to show you about our priorities. I'm going to give you a top three priorities. And what happens when we get distracted from our priorities? Number one, of course, is intimacy with God. That's our number one priority. We were created to have intimacy with God. That is where we communicate on a daily basis with our Father. And He communicates to us. Now, I know you have distractions when it comes to your number one purpose in life. How how many, I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but how many had devotions and you literally put this number one in your life? Don't raise your hand because we'd all be embarrassed. Amen. But that's our number one. Number two is family. Can can anybody see this? Can you see this? Out the light there. All right. Family. All right. So we got intimacy. Number two is family. This is where we get distracted as well. And then on the third ball, I did several things. Um, Job, uh, ministry, and of course, what most of us put is rest and relaxation. We put that number one, right? Okay. So here, here we're trying to juggle these balls on a da- daily basis. Well, I can't juggle, so I'm going to have Herman come up here and juggle. We try to juggle these balls, right? These are our three top priorities, and we, we literally juggle these. Okay, and Satan sees that we're trying to juggle these three. But what he does, he convinces us that we need to hold on to one of those more than the other. Notice he's putting his hand on. (laughs) What Satan tries to do is he tries to hold one ball the whole time and give more attention to one than the other. Like, like, like family, you know. I love to give my grandkids piggyback rides. How many love to give your kids piggyback rides? And I, I loved to do that when I was growing up. But you can't do that 24-7. If you do, what happens after a while, they come and turn the lights off, and it's no fun giving piggyback rides in the dark. Right? So he tries to get you to hold on to one more than the other. But notice the juggling. The next thing he does is he, he tries to put more than three in your life. Now, I can't... I can't I can't juggle three. How many can juggle? He can't either. (laughs) So what Satan tries to do is he tries to throw one more ball in the juggle. (laughs) He threw away the intimacy. (laughs) He's juggling distraction. All right, so three is easy, but then you throw the fourth and the fifth one, and it just, this is just a visual aid for you to understand. Thank you, son. I appreciate that. 
Oh, you lost your job? <laughs> At least your family and intimacy is still here. All right. Just an illustration of what happened. But, but distractions have the potential to get us off track. But we talked about a few distractions, but there's also gossip, criticism. I mean, when you get a critical spirit, it, it does something with your intimacy with God, doesn't it? Critical spirit, gossiping, it literally destroys this. And, and a lot of times, it can really cause havoc to your family as well. And so there's a lot of other distractions. Let me just point out a few. Uh, um, financial pressure, huge one today. That's a distraction from your three priorities. The praise of others. A lot of people today live to hear others praise them. They desire that. They hunger that. And so these other three priorities get mixed up. And then they all, of course, come crashing down. So look at, look at Hebrews chapter 11. Let's look at a couple of distractions that were thrown at Moses. Verse 24 says this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, it says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The first distraction that Satan threw at him, notice it says he refused. That is the prestige. All right? His reputation. His influence. He rejected to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I mean, can you think of the, the influence that he had? I mean, he could, have, he could have had this research center and devoted nothing but time and all these people to de- de- literally finding a cure for cancer, starting a library, starting an orphan home. Like, he could have done all kinds of things because he had this power. I mean, you and I, if we have that kind of position, the last thing we want to do is go and identify with the people of God and suffer. But he said, I mean, he understood that this was a distraction from what God wanted to do. And sometimes we need to understand these three priorities that we talked about. There's other great things that Satan throws in to try and distract us from our intimacy, especially our intimacy. A lot of we do pretty good with our family, amen? But what about intimacy? Where you're literally spending some time with God. And all throughout the day, you're talking to God. He's talking to you. And you're just having that great fellowship with God. And you need that intimacy, God communicating to you on a daily basis, if you're going to have a great family. If you're going to be able to really have this great job where you influence other people. So first of all, prestige. How about next he says power. Okay, look on your notes here. On the back side, it says number two is power. I mean, he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had power. He was, I mean, he could have, the third man, if you want, in charge of the greatest powerful country in the world. And yet, he understood the power of God. Think about this for a moment. He understood that God could literally turn H2O into blood. I mean, think of, he brought down a nation. He crippled a nation, the greatest nation on earth, most powerful nation, by just turning the drinking water into blood. He crippled a nation by having frogs everywhere, 
in their oven, in the refrigerator, everywhere, in their beds. With just a spoken word, there were frogs, lice, and locusts everywhere. And Moses understood the power of God, that, and it was displayed that God reached over and flipped the switch in Egypt. Just flipped the switch, and it was completely dark. Completely dark. Couldn't even see the hand in front of your face. It's not like the, the sun was reflecting off the moon. He, he blocked that. It wasn't like the sun that was on Gosha was actually coming over on Egypt. He blocked that out as well. He understood that no matter how much power you have, it's nothing compared to the power of God. He grabbed a hold of that. He understood. He was able to defeat the distractions by understanding the power of God, understanding his priorities. And we're going to see that in just a moment. Look at number three on your notes there. The third thing, I kind of put a couple of thoughts there. Pleasures and treasures. Look at verse 25 and 26. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Verse 26. He considered the reproaches of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So number three, if you want to write that on your notes, put down pleasures and treasures. Or you can put pleasures and plenty. If you want the five Ps, then put number five, uh, pressure. Because Pharaoh was coming down on him to kill him, so there was a lot of pressure in that. Okay, so the pleasures. Let's talk about pleasures for a moment. We are a people that love to have fun, don't we? I mean, that's really a problem that we have. We want fun to be number one, right? How many just love having fun? I mean, I mean, this is our culture we live in. We go to work and we endure Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We get excited with Thursday, right, over Friday. And we're living for the what? That's the culture we're living in. Because that's where we have fun. So what happens is our three priorities... We're, we're just kind of enduring that until we get to the weekend where we can gig. Is it gigging for frogs? What do you do for frogs? Oh, amen. All right. Golfing. I mean, fishing. I mean, there's a lot of things that we, live, we, we can't wait to get there. And a lot of times that pr- puts pressure on the moment of intimacy, because we're looking for tomorrow. But what's wrong with us having fun, can't wait to get up in the morning with our coffee and our our Bible and our coffee, right? With me, it's my pre-workout drink, all right? Can't wait to get up. How about about family? I mean, how many of you really work on having fun with your wife or your husband, or do you just kind of just go through the motion? I mean, we should be having fun with our spouse. It should, it should be fun to sit down and have fellowship with your wife, with your husband. It really should be. Not something you just go brush your teeth, honey. All right? How about our jobs? 
How many, how, many job, how many of our jobs we hate to go to? I mean, we just can't stand it. Why go to a job that you, can't, you, you just don't like? Why spend 30 years at a job you don't like? You should be wanting long. You can't wait to get to work. That's when you get your priorities set. Your intimacy with your, your, your Lord, your family time, your job, your ministry. Hopefully, hopefully you're not going to a church that you're just enduring. I mean, seriously, if you are, you need to find a church where you can, you just can't wait to get there. So you can run around and hug, shake their hands. I mean, that's the kind of church you should be in. All right, and if this isn't it, find one. Because we want to be a church where, yeah, I, mean, I mean, there's preaching, but there's also great fellowship. If it's not, I mean, we need, and really what makes a church fun is you're coming ready to hear. You're anticipating. You can't wait for God to speak to you in a powerful way. And so every day in your time with God, you're begging God for this moment. You're begging God for this moment to, for him to show up in the worship service and in the preaching service. Last week was pretty fun, wasn't it? We had some wild woman right here. This girl's nice and calm and gentle, but we had a wild woman here last week jumping up and down. It was really weird. She was lifting up her hands. She was jumping up and down. How many, how many enjoyed that? How many was... Uh, <clears throat> the quiet, the bashful ones are like, holy moly. We need to have fun in our area of priorities. And we can work at it and make sure it is. Rather than being defeated. My, my wife and I, most of the time, we have a good time together. Most of the time. I've been gone for, for a couple of days. And yesterday, I came home and... And uh, where's my wife at? There's my beautiful wife. Yeah, I, I, I uh, <clears throat> picked an argument. All right? Didn't I, honey? Was it my fault or your fault? It's always my fault. Amen! Second Corinthians chapter 5. That's what it talks about. All right. So, so what I want to do is shift now. Okay? I want to go to Matthew chapter 13. Because I just threw a bunch of stuff out there to show you the distractions. Now I want to show you the results of distraction. And I really want to zero in on this. Matthew chapter 13. And, 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 and I want to give you most of the story. All right. Matthew chapter 13 is the, is the parable of the sower. Okay. Where the sower goes forth and he sows the seed. He's sowing the seed and it falls on four different types of ground. It falls on a path, which is hard soil. Okay. It's where people have been walking, so it, it falls there, and then the Bible says the birds come and eat the seed. The second soil that the seed falls on is rocky soil, all right? That's the Bible talks about how that there's not hardly any earth, and so there's no, no way for the roots to go down deep. And then, of course, the sun comes and scorches the seed. And then the third one is where 
the thistles and the weeds, the seed is thrown on those, that soil. And that's the trials and the tribulations. Uh, really, that's the, the worries and the cares of this world. And, of course, the seed is choked out. And then, of course, you have all of us, which is the good soil. Amen? All right? So let's just switch that around. Stay with me for a minute. Let's just switch that around. Because we always talk about four different people. And we always talk about us being the good soil. Well, let's just change it up. What if, what if this four type of soil were actually one person at different seasons in your life? Okay, stick with me. Is it not true that sometimes, honestly, sometimes your heart is hard and indifferent to the Word of God? Amen? Raise your hands. If sometimes... Raise your hand if, if sometimes you are like that. How many would say, I'm right now like that? We will pray for you. All right? So sometimes our heart is cold. And, 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 and then sometimes our heart, the Word of God, and the opportunities that come up, sometimes we are distracted by the trials and the tribulations in our life. That, that is a major problem. We do get distracted, and therefore the seed doesn't lodge and find its soil. And then, of course, third, sometimes the cares and the worries of this life, they get the best of us. And they distract us from our priorities. And so our priorities are not like it ought to be. Now, you should be thinking right now, yeah, my intimacy with God isn't what it ought to be. And, and, and this is apparently what's happening. Because I'm not walking in intimacy on a regular basis as I should. None of us are. And so these Things take place in my life. And then, of course, the fourth is the good soil, where the, the seed falls and it grows and it, it's fantastic. So let's talk about the first one. I want you to go to your Bibles. Look at chapter 13, verse... Do we have verse 13 up there? Or verse 19? Yep, verse 18. Okay, so let's look at verse 18 and then verse 19. It says, Hear the parable of the sower. When someone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, The evil one comes, now I want you to grab a hold of this word. The evil one comes and snatches. Say that with me. Snatches. Say it with some emphasis. Snatches. Okay? So the seed is sown, the evil one, Satan comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is the hard path. Okay? The path that goes along. So I'm going to talk about snatches. See, we're going along in life, and we have these distractions, and these distractions come along, and they snatch away the seed. It snatches the opportunities that God gives us. Okay, our priorities is intimacy, okay? But sometimes we have that opportunity to have intimacy with God, but instead of intimacy, it's that opportunity to have intimacy is snatched away, Time with your spouse. Sometimes it's sna- Satan comes along and he snatches away the opportunity to speak the truth in someone's life. An opportunity to encourage. An opportunity to love. Satan is always doing something to distract us from this great opportunity of influencing someone for the Lord. Satan loves to distract us. And the seed comes. The seed. Think about this for a moment. A seed is so small that when Satan comes and snatches it, we say, it's no big deal. It's just a seed. Why is he so 
hungry to snatch that seed because he sees and understands the opportunity of a seed. What happens to a seed when it grows? comes this big tree that produces fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. See, we can't see what that one opportunity is going to do. What that one seed has possibility, but Satan sees, and so he comes and he snatches away. Let me give you an example, a biblical example. Paul the, Paul before he was Paul the Apostle, he was Saul of Tarshish. And Saul gave commandment for the Pharisees to stone Stephen. You know the story. As the, the, the religious people were stoning Stephen, just before he died, he looked up to heaven. He saw God's, uh, Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, looking down, ready to welcome him into heaven. And the last words from his lips. Paul's over here watching. The last words from, from uh, Stephen's lips was, Lord, Paul over here, don't, don't, don't lay this sin and hold it against him. So, Father, forgive him for what he's doing to me right now. Now, Paul's over here saying, that's, that's your, your, you don't even want a cigarette? I mean, you're about ready to die. Do you want a cigarette before you die? I mean, nothing. He's literally, the last thing on his lips is he's concerned about Paul's eternal destination. I mean, it shook, it shook Paul to the bone. Acts chapter 9 says, Paul never got over it. Never. That was an opportunity on his deathbed, he wasn't worried about the kids. He wasn't worried about anything else. He just thought of one person, and that was Paul. What an opportunity. God gives us that opportunities. And what happens is we're so busy, so wrapped up in other things, that Satan comes along and snatches. Let me give you another opportunity that happened to me. Years ago, I'm at McDonald's. This is back in one of the new churches I started, and, and so... You know, you don't have an, an office. You have six kids, and you want to get away from the house, amen, <laughs> to study. So I'm at McDonald's, and I'm sitting under these two women just, they're not talking like this either, right? They're talking loudly, and I'm getting frustrated. Anybody, I'm, I'm at McDonald's. I'm off in the corner. All alone, these two women come and sit down close, and they're just going on. And so it's hard for me to focus. So I understood this was an opportunity. This was an opportunity. So I go over there, conversation, and I slam my Bible down on the desk. Just boom. And they both went. <laughs> and, and so the, the moral of the story is it was that, that one woman was wide open to the gospel. The other one shut me off and she was dead within two months. But the other one was wide open. She got saved her entire family has trusted jesus christ i'm talking the whole entire family and down to the cousins i mean that was god saying here's an opportunity i didn't see it except for just talking but this was a seed that has grown into a huge tree and her husband is not saved yet but there has been so many tragedies in his life that god keeps drawing him god keeps drawing him god keeps drawing him and he's been coming to church since we left i think three times for different reasons, to the church. He ne- the only person he liked in the church was my wife because she cooked great lasagna. <laughs> didn't like me, didn't like the church, but he liked Judy. So Judy had that opportunity to go over there and witness. Well, I'm, I'm just simply saying this. Make your priorities a priority. 
And don't let Satan snatch away those opportunities. Fight against distractions. You keep these, that's a distraction. You keep intimacy and family where it ought to be. And then God gives you opportunities as, you, as you're juggling these because he's speaking to you. If, you don't, if he's not speaking to you, you're going to miss every single opportunity there is. You have to have this intimate so that he can speak and you can hear. So this has to be a priority. Everybody following? Don't let Satan come and snatch away the opportunities to talk to your kids when they're really ready. I mean, how many look at your kids and sometimes they have the screensaver on? Anybody experience that? I've had six. I know that screensaver. I just keep talking. You want to box them, amen? My kids are gone, so you, know, you just want to shake them. But there's no sense in talking. They got that on. Sometimes they don't. And the Lord can show you that moment. That moment. They're rare. Especially when you get to be teenagers. They're rare. Take advantage. Don't let Satan snatch those opportunities. The second thing we see, put in your notes, scorched. Okay? Scorched. What happens here is the sun comes out after the seed. There's not a lot of root there. And the, sun's come, the sun comes out and scorches because of the trials and the tribulations that take place in our lives. So Satan distracts us with trials. Every one of us, I can raise two feet up too. A trial comes, a tribulation comes, and we get our eyes off of our priorities, and we get our eyes on that one thing. Can I hear an amen? And we're focused on that, and we can't focus on our intimacy. We really can't focus on our family. We can't focus on our job. It's hard for us. And so, guess what? We are distracted, and it destroys. You're so distracted with this that when your kid comes up and they need you, and that moment of opportunity comes, you can't even see it because you're so focused on yourself. We're all this way. We have to fight. Keep our priorities a priority. We have to battle. I mean, those trials are there for a purpose. Understand that God's molding you, God is shaping you. Are the trials are an opportunity in your life? Trials. And the thing about the sun, think about the the sun shining down. It says it scorched, scorches the opportunity. Now think, now think about this. The sun comes out on every single one of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 10 tells us that. That your trials and your tribulation, now listen, are common to man. Everybody goes through it. See, when we go through trials and tribulations, what do we think? This isn't fair. That's what I think most of the time. When it's a real, it's not fair. And so I begin to focus that, hey, this is only happening to me. But the reality of it is that is the sun is out on every single person. It's out there. Every, this is common to me. Every single person goes through trials. That's what the Word of God says. You're not singled out. And it helps us to grab a hold of this truth and to defend our priorities. Defeat 
dis- distractions. All right, and then number three. Look at number three. Suffocates. Okay, write that down. Number three, suffocates. He talks about this getting into the weeds, and the weeds actually choke the seed, chokes the opportunity. Now, here it's talking about worries and the cares of this life and the lust for money and and the riches of this world. Here's what Satan does to us. What if? What if? The what ifs, you know, we, we, we look at something and we start worrying that this is going to happen. Everybody with me? Everybody, everybody, you're starting to worry about the possibility of this happening. And it consumes you. And this is tomorrow or the next day. And the next, Satan loves to get us in the what if. He loves to get us there because that takes us away from our three priorities. Our intimacy, instead of getting up and having this great, great communication where God speaks to us through his word, we speak to him through prayer, and then we're walking through the day with him, listening and talking to him. We're so busy with what if, and we're worried about that. And so it takes us off our game. It distracts us and takes us away from what we're supposed to be doing, our intimacy, where God speaks to us, literally directs us every single step. The Word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. It shows me the next step, and it shows me the path that I'm supposed to be on. But if I get rid of the intimacy, I'm in darkness. I don't, I don't have God communicate. I don't know where to go. And it's all because I'm so focused over here on what if... We're just wrapped up. And so worry, 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 worry suffocates the seed from growing to this great tree which will produce fruit in your life. Distractions destroy. But when we look at that little seed, we think, ah, no big deal because we don't see the potential. We need to be able to see the potential of that seed. Anybody a farmer here? I think it's almost impossible to farm around here, isn't it? Because the soil, I got, I, got, I got this much topsoil. Nebraska, you could dig down to China. Good, good dark soil. Here, <laughs> I got to have a pick to go three inches. Well, that's a perfect picture of what we're talking about. Okay? The hard, don't let your heart get hard. Don't let those weeds come up. Yeah, the only thing that grows around here is not grass. I mean, leave my yard. The crabgrass next door to the field just blows over and takes over. Are my neighbors purple weeds? Not sure what they are. They just creep in, taking over. Dirty dog. But I love him. I do. All right, let's get to the last thought. Number three. How to defeat distractions. I want you to go to, we're almost done. I want you to go right here to to chapter 11. I'm going to look at two words. This is fantastic. All right. How to defeat distractions. Get your priorities, whether it be, know what they are. Okay. It's not gaming. It's not fun. It's not fishing. It's not golfing. 
you know, it's, all, it's not all these things. It's intimacy. You're, if you're a believer, it's intimacy. That's what you were created for. It's your family. It's your job. You have to work. It's the job or ministry. You decide that as God directs you. Some people say intimacy with God is the ministry and what you're supposed to do. No, you don't put the, you don't, I don't put preaching above my family. I don't put me being a pastor above my family. Okay, my intimacy with God is number one and my wife is number one under that. My children are way down the list. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my grandchildren are right behind my wife but the kids are way down there. Still bitter over that. No, I'm kidding. Okay. All right. So Hebrews chapter 11, let's look at a couple of verses. Let's look at verse 26. I really want you to get this. He considered the reproaches of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Now notice this. For he was looking to the reward. Now in the King James, it says because he had respect to the reward. Both of them are great translations. But when you go to the Greek and you get the idea there, I mean, it, 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 blow, it blows my mind. It literally means this. It says, looking unto the reward. But what it means is looking away. Now listen, looking away from everything else. Look it up. The Strong's Exhaustive Concordance says, you stop looking at this. And you start looking at the reward. You stop looking at over here. And you start looking What? At the possibility, the opportunities of what that seed is going to produce. So it literally means looking away from everything else. So you've got to know what your priorities are. And then when these other things come up, you look away and you focus. I mean, that's what this is. The reason Moses had victory in his life is because he looked away from what Satan was throwing. He was able to identify this is a distraction because it's coming against these three things. I know it's a distraction because it's interfering with this. He looked away from everything else. And then notice what the next one says. It says, looking to him or seeing him who is invisible. The next verse at the very bottom. Okay. Go to the next verse, verse 27. It says, seeing him who is invisible. That word seeing means gazing. It literally means staring. Okay? You ever had somebody just stare at you and it was very uncomfortable and they wouldn't stop? And you're a psycho. (laughs) Moses says he stared. He gazed at him who is invisible. Moses was able to see beyond this world and see him who is invisible. We can do the same exact thing right here. Right here. Looking into this book, we see the Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, we're looking into the face of God. And as we look in it, we're changed into his image. Here's, here, here's this, I just want you to get, come away with this idea, all right? Make your priorities your priority. Look away from everything else and gaze into the face of the Son of God. Right here. Your intimacy with God. It's simple. Make your priorities. Understand these three priorities. If you're a believer, these are your priorities. 
Okay? The Word of God teaches. Intimacy, family. You can juggle with the job and ministry. That's between you and God. These are the top two. How's your intimacy doing? How's your closeness with God this morning? You need to be able to defeat distractions. And there's a lot of things. Gaze into the face. Look away from everything else. Let's pray. Head bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. No one's looking around. We're going to sing here in just a moment. But if you're here this morning and, and you know that you're saved, you know you're a believer, and, and God really spoke to you this morning, listen, I want to pray for you. We're not going to have an invitation where you come down. I just want to pray for you this morning. You're struggling. These, these distractions are really distracting you from your intimacy with God. And it's distracting you with your family. And you'd like for me to pray with you this morning. No one's looking around. Heads about. If that's you, just raise your hand. Say, Brother Tim, please pray for me. I will if you let. Yes, thank you. Hands all over. Amen. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Real quick, just lift it up. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Amen. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? I'm really struggling with my walk with the Lord. Would you pray for me? I will. Just lift it up. Back down. I'll sit and I'll remember you in prayer. Anybody else this morning? Amen. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not sure that you're saved. You don't, you're not sure that if something would happen, you would, die, you, would, you would go to heaven. Can I pray for you this morning? Again, we're not going to have an invitation. We're not going to call you down here. I just want to pray for you. If this is you, my friend, can I pray for you? Just lift up your hand. I'm not sure that I'm going to heaven when I die, but I'd like for you to pray for me to make sure that I'm going. Anybody like that this morning? Just lift up your hand. I'll see it, and I'll remember you in prayer. Amen. Let's all stand then as we go to the Lord this morning. All stand to our feet. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We're so thankful for your word. Lord, it's so rich. And God, how it speaks to our hearts. We're we're just so thankful for your love for us. And I pray for all of these that lifted their hands this morning. Father, I pray for them that you'd help them to defeat distractions, that they would step into the footprints of Moses and learn how to do this. Learn how to defeat these distractions. Learn how to defeat Satan when he throws all of these things our way. God, I pray that you would help each and every one that lifted their hand this morning. But I specifically pray for them, for their intimacy with you. God, I pray this morning, their heart would become alert to your spirit inside of them. As the Holy Spirit draws them to that communion with you. God, I pray they would listen and I pray that it would become a loud voice in their minds and their hearts every single day and that puts you number one in their lives. Bless them, encourage their hearts. And I pray for this morning, somebody here that's never trusted you, God, I pray that you'd reveal yourself to them again like you did Paul the Apostle. God, I pray that you get saved. We'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. God bless you this morning.